Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I am Evangelist Janice Nelson, and I want to welcome you to season two of Broken Vessels Mended and Whole, a weekly women's Bible study podcast. Today is Sabbath Sunday, January 30th, the year of our Lord, 2022. In this Bible study podcast, we address various issues that break the spirit of women and then seek to promote women's spiritual wholeness and well-being with lessons learned from the Word of God. Ladies, within the Christian community, there are three different types of people. The first are those who claim to follow God and Jesus Christ, but really did not. We might compare this type of follower to the five foolish virgins in the parable of the five wise and the five foolish virgins found in Matthew chapter 25, who did not truly know the Lord and were rejected by him. The second type are those who follow God and Jesus Christ, but at a distance like Peter did when Jesus was arrested and he denied him. And the third type are those who follow God and Jesus Christ come what may, because they know that God alone can satisfy their deepest longings. When we come back, we are going to talk about satisfying our deepest longings. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. Today, we are talking about satisfying our deepest longings. Our scripture reading is taken from the book of Psalms, chapter 63, verses 1 through 11. And I will be reading from the New International Version of the Bible. Now, reading from the NIV book of Psalms, chapter 63, beginning at verse 1, the psalmist writes, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as if the richest of foods with singing on my lips and my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down in the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him while the mouths of liars will be silenced. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of his word. Amen. Lady Psalm 64 is a uh, psalm 
um, called the Psalm of David, which suggests that it was written when he was in the desert of Judah. The only two periods in David's life that this can apply to are one early in his life when he was on the run from King Saul, who sought to kill him, or two, later when he was in the wilderness away from his rebellious son, Absalom. It is most likely that the second is the case in our text because in verse 11, David refers to himself as the king saying, but the king will rejoice in God. Now, obviously, David was not king when Saul was king. The biblical story of Absalom's rebellion is found in 2 Samuel chapters 15 through 19. In this story, Absalom was estranged from David because he believed his father had mistreated him. He spent four years going out of his way to win the hearts of the people of Israel over his father, the king. And when he believed he had accomplished his goal, he organized a rival kingship in nearby Hebron. David was caught off guard by his son's betrayal and fearing an attack on Jerusalem, fled the city with those loyal to him. Strategically speaking, from a military perspective, Absalom should have launched his attack um, against his father while he was caught off guard and unable to defend himself against a military assault. But God intervened and caused Absalom to listen to advisors who convinced him to delay battle. By the time he decided to attack, David was armed and ready. And David's army, led by his faithful general, Jonab, soundly defeated 20,000 opponents in battle, and Absalom was one of them. According to the Bible, Absalom was rising headlong on a mule on uneven ground, and his head struck in a fork between two branches of an oak tree. He probably lost consciousness, but in any event, he was slain by Joab personally. The setting of this psalm shines light on some of the expressions in the psalm, like better than life in verse three, and as long as I live, verse four, and the expression, those who want to kill me in verse nine. All three of these expressions are a reminder to the reader of this psalm that David was in danger of losing his life at the hands of his son, Absalom. Further, they reinforce David's description of himself as the true king of Israel. With these expressions as a backdrop for the psalm, we can appreciate David's emotions and his passion in this psalm because removed from God's temple in Jerusalem, which he loved, David longed for the presence of God, much like a lover longs for his beloved. In this psalm, David pours out his devotion to God, and it is considered to be one of the most beautiful and touching psalms in the entire Psalter. So let's unpack Psalm 63. The NIV version of Psalm 63 sets verse 1 off as a stanza by itself. The reason for this is because this 
is an expression of David's longing for God. And because the next section, verses, uh, excuse me, verses two through eight, provide descriptions of how, of David's longing in the past was answered and how it is being honored in the present. I said earlier that David was in the desert of Judah when he wrote this psalm. The desert of Judah was a very barren region. And David uses this background to poetically describe his condition apart from God. Consider this. David was driven out of Jerusalem where God was present in his temple and where he worshiped and beheld God's glory. Now, in the desert of Judah, he thirsts for God as a man thirsts for water in a desert and as a person traveling through hostile territory longing for rest. David had an intense physical longing for God. C.S. Lewis wrote this, These poets knew far less reason than we for loving God. They did not know that he offered them eternal joy, still less that he would die to win it for them. Yet they expressed a longing for him, for his mere presence, which comes only to the best Christians or to Christians in their best moments. They long to live their days in the temple so that they may constantly see the fire beauty of the Lord. Their longing to go up to Jerusalem and appear before the presence of God is like a physical thirst. From Jerusalem, his presence flashes out in perfect beauty. Lacking the encounter with him, their souls are parched like a waterless countryside. Wow, isn't that graphic? Today, most people do not even realize that their soul desires or longs for God because we are too busy seeking satisfaction in anything other than God. Others know God, but do not seek his presence nor long for him. And this, above everything else, explains the weakness of the modern day church. Verse one of our text says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. The word seek is related to the Hebrew noun for draw or drawn, which can be translated two ways, either as to seek early or to seek earnestly. Our version of the text, the NIV, uses the second option, to seek earnestly, but older versions of the same text, like the King James Version, uses the word early. And this caused Christians in the Greek churches and today in the liturgy of the Armenian church to interpret Psalm 63 as a mourning psalm to be sung at the beginning of the of each day. However, liturgy liturgy is not the point. The point is the regular, early, daily longing after God. There's no better way for the believer to begin his or her day than earnestly seeking God's face. We can do this through prayer, 
meditation, and personal Bible study. About 1,000 years later, David, a, a descendant, Jesus Christ, said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Although David did not know these specific words, he nonetheless knew the reality of this because he elaborates on them in the next section of our text. Verses two through eight, which says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as if the richest of foods with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. We can study these verses in a variety of ways. For example, they can be outlined as God's past, present, and future satisfying of David. We see the past in verse 2, which says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. This memory of these joyful moments caused David great pain in his present circumstance. Let's look at the present in verse verses three, six, seven, and eight, beginning with verse three, which says, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Verse six says, on my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. And in verse seven, David declares, you are my help. And in verse eight, he says, your right hand upholds me. So that from these verses, we see that although David is cut off from the temple in Jerusalem where God dwells, God has not cut himself off from David because although he was hiding in the desert of Judah, there was no desert in David's heart. Now let's look at the future found in verse five, which says, I will be fully satisfied as with the riches of foods with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. This is because God does not change. As a result, whoever finds God is able to satisfy his longing for him in the past can rest assured that God will satisfy him or her in the future. When we examine this psalm in this way, it becomes a tool by which we can examine the character of God, stressing his limitless capacity to satisfy our deepest spiritual longings. In this psalm, David extols God in seven ways. First, in verse three, he praises the loving kindness of God with his lips. He says, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you or praise you. Second, in verse four, 
first David extols God with his tongue. He says, I will praise you as long as I live. Then thirdly, also in verse four, David extols God with his hand saying, and in your name, I will lift up my hands. Fourth, in verse five, David says, praises uh, God with, uh, with his will saying, I will be fully satisfied as with the riches of foods, meaning marrow and fatness. Fifth, also in verse five, David extols God with his mouth. He says, with singing lips on my mouth, I will praise you. Seventh, David extols God with his memory saying, on my bed, I remember you. Finally, the seventh way David extols God is with his intellect. He says, I think of you or meditate on you through the watches of the night. This is really beautiful poetry. And if we examine the verses of Psalm 63 in this way, we experience what it means for us as God's created beings to use each part of our physical makeup and our emotional and mental states to praise God. Albert Einstein once said, the most people use, that most people use only about a tenth of their brain. Whether this is true or not, does not matter. What does matter is how we might utilize just a little more of our physical, mental, and emotional capacities for praising God. Another way we might examine Psalm 63 is as David's satisfaction of God and two results that flow from that. For example, in the opening stanza, we read of David's longing for God and God withholds nothing from David. In other words, David is satisfied with, in, and by God, which is why David speaks of his past, present, and future satisfaction. It is also why David speaks of God's love as better than life in verse 3. The commentator James Boyce said this concerning verse three. It contains two things, each of which is acknowledged as good and it compares them, concluding that the loving kindness of God is best. Everyone acknowledges that life is good. Therefore, most of us try to hang on to life at whatever cost. We will give up our money rather than be shot by a thief at whatever cost. We will submit to painful surgical procedures or even to amputation of limbs if those things will restore us to even partial health and prolong our days. Satan uses this truth to slander righteous Job skin for skin. A man will give all he has for his own life, according to Job 2 and 4. For nearly everyone, life is the most precious of all possessions. But David says there is something much better than life, and that is the love of God. He uses the Hebrew word hesed, spelled H-E-S-E-D in Hebrew, and, and translated loving kindness or covenant love, stressing the faithful, continuous love of God. The apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter eight, verses 38 through 39, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, 
neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. When you consider this passage of scripture, isn't it odd? that we would choose to dedicate so much of our time to seeking and finding satisfaction in earthly things instead of seeking and enjoying the love of God like David, who at the beginning of our psalm text was seeking God as a thirsty man seeks water in the desert. David drank God's covenant love and he was forever satisfied. John chapter four, verses 13 through 16 says, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. As a result of David being satisfied by God's covenant love, He praised God because he wanted everyone to know God's love as he did. It is important to share good news. King David understood this and his song is of a God who satisfies our deepest longings. Verse three says, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Verse seven makes this same connection. It says, because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. This is the soul of the text and indeed the entire book of Psalms. It shows how a person is found, has found, who found satisfaction in God sings about it. A second result of being satisfied by the loving kindness of God is the desire to stay close to God. David expresses this desire in verse eight, which says, I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. The word cling is used to describe the attachment between spouses or of other tight relationships like Ruth's attachment to her mother-in-law, Naomi, in Ruth chapter 1 verse 14. When you have been satisfied by God, don't you have the desire to cling to him too? If you are not clinging to God, I will suggest that you have not sought him enough to be deeply satisfied. Verses 9 through 11 says, those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Finally, The last three verses of Psalm 63 look to the future and are an expression of David's confidence that in time, David's enemies will be destroyed. The mouths of those who have slandered him will be silenced. And again, he will openly praise God with those who love and seek him. These verses bring us back to where we began with David in the desert of Judah, reminding us that, yes, we live in the real world. And in order for us to be truly satisfied with the love of God, 
We will not find it in some neverland, but rather right here in the midst of life's disappointments, annoyances, and dangers. It was at the very time that David's son Absalom betrayed him and sought to kill him that David found the love of God richly satisfying. This Psalm 63 is an amazing triumph for those of us who follow God and Jesus Christ, come what may, because we know that he alone satisfies our deepest longings. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Broken Vessels Mended and Whole. If this ministry has been a blessing to you and you want to support it, we have several ways in which you can do that. First, via the Tidely app at Broken Vessels Mended and Whole. Second, at Givelify, that's G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y, you may donate to Broken Vessels hyphen Mended and Whole via PayPal at Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole at gmail.com. Or you may mail whatever gifts of love you feel led to give to Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. We are a 501c3 nonprofit religious organization located at P.O. Box 34637, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Join me next week for another episode of Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. And please don't forget to check in with me on Facebook Live at Evangelist Janice, that's J-A-N-I-S Nelson, today at 12 noon Pacific Daylight Time. In the meantime, take good care and may God continue to bless you. Amen.